Welcome back to Innovation Through Insights. I'm your host, Kieran, and today we have Rob Null, who is into the copywriter and direct response space. He's part of an agency, which we dive into how he got started, the failures he faced along the way, and how you can learn from those lessons. Before we jump in, I have one favour to ask. If you enjoy the episode, drop a follow or like, depending on if you're on Apple Music or Spotify. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Enjoy, my friends. What's up, Rob? Welcome on. What's up? Glad to be here. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I... The first question I have actually is what made you pick copywriting? I actually prepared for this question. So I'm ready. Let's go. Pretty much to give you the whole story, we need to go back exactly one year. So one year ago, I was back home. I usually live in the States, but I was back home in Europe and I met up with a friend. And we were thinking, dude, let's start a business, right? So we started a business. What's the first business that everyone starts? Digital marketing agency. What do everyone offer? Everything. SEO, <laughs> web development, you know, ads, freaking, I don't know, email marketing, everything. Uh, obviously, didn't go too well. And we, we wanted to pivot. So we went to lead gen because lead gen was the thing on money Twitter. At that point, we started doing lead gen. Couldn't really find clients. We didn't know anything about offers, you know, actually how to do lead gen for ourselves. It was pretty funny. And then we found a startup that was starting across the whole Europe and they had a really good offer. It was a very solid business. And, uh, we started working with them on a performance basis and we did horrible. Like I think the first four weeks we got two meetings, two. And we started getting better. You know, I got some resources, got some courses, started to understand the game a little better. And then my partner kind of dipped. So it was all on me. And I got to the point where the SARP guys were like, hey, can you write this long form content or can you write out some ads or something? I was like, sure. I still didn't know anything about, you know, copywriting ads, marketing for that sense. I thought I knew, but I didn't. And um, when I started doing that, I was like, hey, this is way more fun than scraping leads and writing first lines for, I don't know eight hours a day. So I was like, okay, I told him if there's anything else like that, I'd be happy to write him. And thankfully I got a lot better at lead gen. At one point in the fall, I was averaging around four meetings per week, which was, it's not crazy good, but it's a pretty, pretty specific niche. So I was happy with that. Then they never, we're able to come up with uh with the product. The product the team just failed. Never got released, they ran out of funding and that was it. Okay. 
And at that point, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to keep doing lead gen because that wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was just grinding. It was just hard work. And um, to top it all off, like the business didn't even work. So I think it was that point where I started looking more into just general copywriting, you know, sales pages, ads, stuff like that. And um, I think one of the biggest influences on me was uh, Grammar Hippie or George Ten on Twitter because that's when he started to blow up. And I remember looking at his threads and I was like, wow, this guy knows how to write. And because I was I was still interested in writing, I just started, you know, trying a little things here and there. Someone approached me. Uh, I put myself out there, honestly, with, with not that much experience. And I was like, hey, if anyone needs a sales page or anything, just let me know. A couple of people wrote to me um, and I just started writing. And I got a lot of good feedback. Um, people are like, hey, yeah, you write well. That's pretty good. Uh, I like what what you do. I was like, sick. So I got a lot of books, worked through them like a horse, and just started start writing tweets, honestly, because you know as well as me, writing tweets is a form of copywriting. And they started doing pretty well, so I started talking to more copywriters, you know, getting more deep into it. And then I soon realized, damn, I do like writing. Like writing's fun for me. And it comes pretty naturally too. So I would say that's exactly how I ended up here. And you mentioned grammar hippie. So why why do you think he's such a good writer? What what sparked out to you as soon as you saw him? I think it's just the authenticity. You read his stuff and and you just know he has experience, he has authority. Without even putting a single screenshot, a single, you know, invoice screenshot or no metrics. It's just the way he writes, the way he grabs you in and you can't, you can't exit his threads. Like you keep reading and reading and reading and reading and then you're at the end and you're like, what happened? And it's just the way he uses, just the way he uses his, uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, the way he just uses all the copy elements that are very basic, but he uses them all in the right places. And he kind of cracked the way how to write good threads and tweets. Like he understood very quickly what catches on on Twitter. And I could probably say two or three accounts that are directly influenced by his style. So that means a lot. and. You must know copywriting if you have such an influence on the space. Yeah, man. There's no doubt that he's... It, it, I like what you said, though. He didn't even like, post any screenshots of how he's made this much money or stuff. Like People just knew immediately off the bat from reading his threads, reading his tweets, that he was good. Which not many people have done that. I've never seen someone do that, to be honest. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's different. And the, like I said, the authenticity just comes through and you can tell. Yeah. And you going back, you're talking about your startup. 
that you kind of joined up with? Are you still with the startup? Are you still well, the, the startup is currently in a weird spot since they ran out of funding, but the investors are still very kind of into the idea. So it's kind of in a weird spot where it's on a pause, but there's no active team working on it. So it hasn't been shut down completely. And I think, I think it will be revived at one point, but the guys who who did the startup, we actually came together, used our, used our networks and our skills to start a, a new agency a real one for this one for this time and uh this is going way better than my first one i must say we we niche down we actually have people who know what they're doing now as opposed to me and my friend who just you know just started randomly doing stuff and it's going pretty well but i i do say we we offer quite a lot of things but we can do that because we have more more people and more experts so that's pretty exciting we got some big things happening in 2022 and what is the startup doing like what are they what's what's their kind of role what are they what are they doing for people so the startup that ended up kind of failing yeah the one that failed so essentially it was a b2b business in the real estate market and it was I'm not sure how much I can say but essentially they they found a problem in the market that was very real and there was a couple big businesses already built to solve that problem they just took a new angle made it a little nicer and so on but it turned out that you know, it's not that easy to build out the product itself because it was a it was a tech SaaS startup, and um, it used a lot of AI, data analysis, machine learning. So it was just a very difficult thing to to build, and it was a n- niche market too. It wasn't yeah. one of those things that you just put into, you know, clean leads or a regular scraper like Apollo and just spits you out like it was manual work yeah i was gonna say it doesn't sound like it didn't sound like a startup where they that they knew what they were doing right i think but they just couldn't they can execute the offer that's the problem yeah here's the thing because when i when i got involved with them it was like it was actually crazy it was suddenly i was in a world that was totally different and they had very good ba- backing. They had very good advisors. And I mean, it was a proven model because there are still companies doing the same thing. It was just more about, I would say it was probably about hiring because it all ended up being on the kind of development team. I mean, we could have done marketing better, obviously, but there was a lot of clients lined up who were just waiting for the product to be released, which never did. So I think it all comes down to hiring. But also I wasn't really that involved in the inner workings or like the the, the core of the startup. So I'm not sure how much I can actually give objective feedback. 
It was it a part of the um it seems like a lot of the time it's the developers that just slow down the process and just kind of because they can't execute on whatever software they're building. Yeah. Was that kind of similar of yours? I would say so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why so many startups fail, man. Because they hire this team that say they can do something and they but they can't. <laughs> and yeah. um I, I I've I was reading a blog actually about someone similar to that that why their startup would nearly failed because they just they had they hired someone who said they could do something but couldn't and it slowed everything down. I I think that's definitely one of the one of the reasons why a lot of startups fail. But you probably know this better than me. A lot of times it's someone starts building a product or starts a startup and then starts looking for the problem which it solves. So I think That's a lot of one. startups yeah. are really doomed to fail right away because they their offering and their positioning is just it's not there. They don't solve anything. They don't add value. Whereas in I feel like with this case, this part was definitely better. Like it was it was good. But yeah, man, I feel like nine out of ten startups fail before they even start. <laughs> that is but true, and I mean. Because they don't have a market fit, they just assume that their product is what people want, but it's really not. Like people, so nine out of ten times, the product isn't needed. Like it's just kind of a nice to have. But I feel like with your startup that you're talking about here, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it sounds like you found a gap in the market which they could fill, but they just couldn't execute. Yeah, well, like I said as well, I wasn't there from the start. I was kind of just brought in. Uh, and I was kind of still being like not in house, but out out of house. So I can't say I can yep. give very good feedback or insights into the whole whole business. But it was definitely a great learning experience, and it was definitely something that was not even knee deep. It was straight on head first into the world of of high performance business because. Some of the people that I met through this ordeal, it was it was just crazy. You know, I went to the office one day and there's this guy sitting there. Um, I asked one of the, the startup founders, I was like, who's that? I've never seen him before. He's, oh, I just met him at the bar yesterday. He's traveling the world. He's done like three startups in the tech world worth 800 million or something. It was, dang. And, yeah. you know, going from just my regular friends who are in high school and, and, uh, maybe not at that stage in life go to just being immersed in that whole business world with very high performance and high ballers too. It was, it was really cool and it taught me a lot, but it also just yeah, made me very hungry. I would say so. That's one of your most valuable experiences I feel like for life in the business world, because now you understand kind of how to, how that kind of team works and how they maybe dedicate a task and why they might fail just to make sure you don't do the same. Yeah, and I mean, also, if everything didn't go like it did right now, I'm not sure if I would be in the position I'm at right now with, right. you know, copy and, and starting my own kind of a one-person business or not starting, actually doing my one-person freelance business, so. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like um, 
freelancing is really underrated because everyone's talking about agencies, right? And that's that's that kind of that's the drop shipping of 2016 right now. Yes. But first of all, that 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 name agency hasn't even been defined, like what it means, because people say people have two people in the business and they call it an agency. Where really, I think an agency is where you build a real team. But I'm not sure you can if you've got two people in a business, you can count it as an agency, probably just a service based business. But exactly, freelancing is underrated, man. Freelancing and is heavily underrated. Here's the other thing: I think everyone who wants to start the agency or business should really start as a freelancer for for one main reason. Once you're a freelancer you will have to be in the trenches. Like you will have to learn how to find clients. You will need to really perfect your skill. You need to know how to talk to clients. And there's sort of like a soft cap on how much work you can take on yourself. Like you can tell quite easily where like, okay, my max is five clients per month. I can't do anymore. Whereas if you start an agency right away, there's two people you especially if you don't really have those skills like really polished and you don't have that good of an idea what you're doing it gets really messy and really sort of all over the place right away and that's definitely what I felt with my first you know agency that we started a year ago is that we just didn't know what we were doing if we had started as freelancers doing our own stuff and then naturally growing out of that freelance stage as we scaled into building an agency that just makes sense. I think that's the way everyone should go about it. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I feel like, because then you're for, you have to learn these skills. You have to learn outreaching. You have to learn managing clients. You have to learn your mar- your own marketing or your business if you, if you're, if you do that. But, yeah, it's 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 something that you're forced in, like you said, forced into the trenches. You have no choice. You can't, and you can give high VAs and stuff. But yeah, I, I feel like that's a great way to start for everyone, especially yeah. if you're a copywriter. Especially if you're a copywriter, right? I I feel like an agency work should be the natural progress of your freelance career. Once you get everything settled, you're in a good spot and you're ready to scale and start hiring in, or just excuse me, delegating, I think that's when it makes sense. And I mean, yeah. I'm I'm saying that with having done the same mistakes myself. So uh, yeah, I would say start as a freelancer, really learn the skills. And you also have a smaller, sort of a smaller fall should you fall and it's easier to pick yourself up. Like as soon as you get, I don't know, four people, team, you get no clients, maybe two clients, you can't deliver. It's everything messy. It's just you can crash really hard. If it's just one person, you know, all you have to do is if you're not comfortable in your skills, you'll just say, you know, okay, it didn't work out. Here's your money back. Like, I'm sorry for wasting your time. If you're an agency, especially working with like big B2B companies, oof, with four people yeah. on the line on your team, it's a lot harder. A lot harder, riskier. Such a deep dive into, yeah, bro. No, one hundred percent, I agree. Yeah, bring freelancing back. That's the thing. Like, bring that like, model back. That's gonna be the twenty twenty two rally call. Not TikTok well, ads. Bro. Because yeah, that's no, gonna TikTok, be the next. 
TikTok marketing of 2016. Mark my words. Yeah, it's, it's not even TikTok ads. It's like e-commerce TikTok, but like building a personal brand. But it's crazy, man. Like that space yeah. is popping off. Other like people yes. I've spoken to, uh, shout out Jimmy Farley. He has built a 1 million TikTok brands, like 1 million follow TikTok brands. And he's make you know, six figures a month for his e-com store. Does um swimwear. Like cha- mm-hmm. it changes color when you're swimming. It's crazy. And the videos he makes is absolutely insane. That's how he does yeah. it. Dude, that's the other thing. I just just got a client who has an e-com store. And uh, he needed help with fixing the landing page because he was converting it really low. Really low, like 0.17% or something like that, right? I was 0.17. like, okay. Yeah. Really he must low. be getting a lot of traffic, though. Yes, like that's he's getting the thing. a lot of traffic, like, but the conversions are terrible. You know, before I before I close him or any and anything, I was like, okay, how much traffic are you getting? He's like, oh, from I don't know twenty thousand. I was like, what? Where is this traffic coming yeah. from? His TikTok. I was like, okay, can I see some ads? Like, what are you running? And it was the funniest, like made on Canva, weirdest thing that probably everyone listen to this podcast right now would just scroll by immediately but it just goes viral you know yeah. people follow the link and it's just i must say it felt like really low effort maybe he knows something better than i do but that was just what i what i felt like yeah man i, I don't know what it is with tiktok but like, you don't you gotta understand people like i mean that's with all ads but like this is it's different. Like if I if I went on Jimmy Farley's TikTok right now, he he isn't even doing advertising. His posts are literal videos of his. If I can find it real quick, here we go. Obviously, uh, but if I can really show it to you, like look, he has been going. He got two million views, six point eight million views, forty million views. Like for videos like this. It's literally is a good thing. Are you on that grayscale wavelength? Say that again. Are you on that black and white iPhone page? Or yes, like man. Settings. Yes. Respect. It's the move. It's the move. It's the move. Since Dan said to do that, I'm like, yeah. Okay, for some reason the videos aren't loading, but he takes pictures of him pouring water on his like the swimwear stuff bikinis and shorts and stuff like that he changes color and he gets like 15 million views like how much traffic that is sending to his brand and he's got people in his comments where can i buy where can i buy he says link in the bio but they still ask where can i buy so <laughs> it's something like, it, i'm getting this shiny object syndrome right now like i want to yeah, try it me too as soon as you said 50 million views i every and, light went off in my head Bro, uh, yeah. In total, we saw twenty-four million likes on his um, twenty-four million likes over on his account. Holy crap, dude! I'm gonna be honest. I had to delete TikTok because it was it was messing with my productivity and also like my kind of mental health a little bit because yeah. the stuff that's on there and at least it's me. I couldn't escape. Like once you start scrolling. And especially once the algorithm learns what you like, you can't escape. It's crazy. It was messing up my sleep and everything. So I just had to delete it. 
But if yeah, I mean, I mean that's the there's money to be made it. on TikTok for sure. I deleted it, and then as soon as I, I like started talking to Jimmy, and he was telling me about how that like, it works and stuff, I got it back to look at his account, look at how, <laughs> how like I look at it a whole different way now of yeah. how people use it. It's insane, and the the, the actual I think you just got to find a product that people want that matches TikTok as yeah. well, young audience. And then boom, like it's it's actually insane. Like they were doing a Twitter Spaces the other day, and I was like, "Wizard Ecom, Jimmy." It's like two hundred people in there, and they were just saying like how spinning how they were doing it, and it was just like it was mind blowing. Like that, okay, TikTok is people like what people spend people what the traffic people get on TikTok on Facebook you would spend like fifty thousand for, so even for close sure. to that. Yeah, and I feel like for t- sure. and I feel like TikTok, yeah. And it probably is the drop shipping of, well, it definitely is going to be like the drop shipping because at some point everyone's going to go onto it. Like everyone's going yeah. to Instagram right now, and Instagram mm-hmm. is heavily saturated, which isn't bad. But TikTok is still kind of under the rug. But next year, no doubt in my mind, because of course TikTok's still insanely popular, but it's not popular for the kind of monetization. Yeah. Brands brands aren't using it yet, but they don't realize how powerful it is. So, Karen, let me ask you this. If you're a beginner right now who is looking for a skill and a niche and they're really thinking about getting into TikTok, how would you do that? Would you start your own e-com and just advertise through TikTok? Would you become an expert in TikTok advertising? Would you do video work for TikTok ads specifically? What What do you think is, is the move? Okay, so from my my little experience so far my analysis of it and talking to going on calls with jimmy is you so if you want to do e-com it's like it's like a normal e-com process you find a product that people want you find you find a way you know you go in and you look at you could even go on instagram look at people's funnels look at what they're saying how they're selling it copy that just falls into copy and marketing so you do the normal e-com process and then on tiktok the most powerful way is just to pretty much market your product every single video but turn it into something that's like trending for tiktok so you use popular sounds you use maybe like memes people are using at the moment and you basically make it go viral because then people want the product but there's other ways as well you could create a theme page so you could do like movie i know i know some other people on twitter who are doing this so you got like movies and um or you could do like yeah movie clips music whatever and then this is what Wizard Ecom did as well on Instagram. You you obviously build it really quickly because people love movies, people love watching clips, scenes, whatever. Build it, and then you can monetize it through I don't know. Um, or you could do anything. Like you can monetize it for anything. You could have like characters, like movie characters. I think Wizard Ecom did. Um, I can't remember what he did, but he did. He had like a online store that he used his theme page which had like a million followers to sell and it didn't say so there's kind of two options there and i think theme pages or e-com and marketing your product through e-com is powerful you don't need to do ads though i don't think yeah. i don't think ads because people scroll through ads but if you're if it's organic people love organic content yeah and for sure what I've learned about growing on TikTok, it is not about the quantity you post. You could post once a week and you'd be okay. 
It's about the quality of the video. It's literally all about the quality. If it's high quality, if it's um, engaging, then you will grow. Yeah, and I really think it's once you catch the engagement sort of wave, you keep going pretty well because a couple of years ago, I just started doing like for my for myself, not even for my brand. I just did it to show like my day in life and whatever. And I had one video that went up to a million views, like 100,000 likes. And ever since that, I would get like 20,000 views guaranteed, even though I had only 5,000 followers. So I think it's like sort of a thing, unlike Twitter, where you can have a thread or a tweet that gets, I don't know, 1,000 likes and 200 retweets. And then you post the next one and it only gets, I don't know, 10 likes or something like that. Especially when you're uh, less than 1,000 followers, whereas in on TikTok, it's from my low experience. It seems like once you catch the wave and you get on the algorithm, you're good. Yeah, exactly. And it is in a way like they're very different to Twitter in that aspect because followers don't matter. Followers is a really yeah. bad conversion for TikTok to look at. It's all mm-hmm. about, like, because, uh, yeah, like you said, once you're in their algorithm, you're going to be on there for their future. Um, when they're scrolling, you're going to be there, most likely if they've engaged with your post and, you know, done all that. So it's really, yeah, about catching the wave. And then, okay, you won't, you might get, like, 5 million views, then 20K views, then another million like it really varies it's just all about your post so they're not always, always into well you just keep on keep on doing it but the fact that you can catch a five million people on your product do you for know how free. many big big for free he hasn't spent a dollar on advertising do you know how big how many big corporations or big companies or any like people like that big agencies would pay for that Five million views on your product. It's crazy. Yeah. That's why it I, is crazy. TikTok is is like it's it's interesting, man. Like it's 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 different. I feel like it's different to drop shipping in a way because drop shipping got saturated because everyone was doing it. They've run out of space. Like you literally couldn't like get suppliers anymore because everyone was doing drop shipping. I still, in a way, like I'm I'm working with a client right now. Was drop drop shipping. he got like he did well drop shipping like not even that long yeah. ago like really really well there's still opportunity there and I feel like with TikTok the opportunity isn't gonna because it's only gonna get bigger right the opportunity isn't yeah. gonna fall yeah for sure and I feel like the skill stack needed for drop shipping is way higher than for TikTok yeah you know what TikTok's I mean? a for- game of iteration and. You know, you're, you have to accept that you're going to suck at it for a while, but you really yeah. you just you catch signs over time. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Jimmy. Again, never shout out to Jimmy Farley. He opened a community the other day on TikTok Grove. So go, I'll, I, yeah, go and check him out because he's dope, man. Like, he's, I met him like a few months ago, and he's just, he, yeah, he's, he's, he caught on to something that no one, was really catching on to early yeah and now he and now yeah he's um we said to him like man like you've got like the other month you've got to get on twitter like you've got to get on here and teach these people how to do it 
because Twitter is the space. Like these people are dedicated. They love business, online business. And he did, and he's killing it. Like he's he's killing on Twitter as well. So go right. check him out. I just followed him. I was waiting yeah, not... to be his two thousand follower, but <laughs> now when you said that, I can't be missing out that much anymore. So just followed him. Oh man, it's content. Yeah, it's solid. It's solid. Solid. But anyway, how is it? For people that don't know, you're, you're right now. It's uh, early in the day, that time, and you're in Europe. Yeah. So how was that? Like travel back over, man, from the US. Okay, I've traveled that much now, where it gets easier. So my usual travel looks something like this. My first flight is in the US, and it's around two to three hours. Then I have a layover that's usually two hours or an hour and a half. So that's around three to four hours. Then I got a seven to nine hour long flight. And then another flight inside of Europe. So I'm doing three flights. Usually it goes three, eight, three hours. And it kind of messes up your body, but it gets better every single time. And someone just recommended a an app that helps you get rid of jet lag really well. So I've been using this and honestly, I've been, I got back into my sleep schedule in I think two days, which is the best I've ever done. And uh, it's great to be back in Europe, dude. <laughs> I love the US, but there's nothing like home. Hey, yeah, no um, And you're in a studio right now, right? So people right. Just saying, uh, yeah, bro, this is awesome. Coming back to Europe. Oh. I, I need, I'm going to the US next year and it's going to be, it's good, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be weird to see like the difference there. I don't know if there is a difference, but what, from you, because you've had experience in both, what are the key differences in Europe and the US? Okay. The first thing that, I remember I went to the US in 2018, right? And the first thing that I that I noticed when I landed and when I started driving away from the airport is it looks like it doesn't look real for one specific reason. And that is you always see those scenes in movies and TV shows. And that's exactly how the US actually is. So as I was driving away from the airport, I was I was thinking like, holy shit, it feels like I'm in a movie right now. And it's those little things. It's, I don't know, it can be the street signs. It can be the huge billboards that they advertise. Like it's those small things or street lights or the way houses all, all are built or the traditional US style suburbs or something like that. It's just so, those small things, but it makes a big impact. And... Uh, yeah, honestly. And the other thing is <laughs> you go to a restaurant and you ask for a medium and they bring you like a drink that's this big or something like that. That's pretty funny. But you get used to it eventually. So you'll you'll see when you when you go there next yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about the main thing I've heard as well from other people, Sasha especially actually, because he's He's from the US, but he moved to Belgium. Or he's from, I can't remember if he's from, I think he's from the US and he moved to Belgium. And he was saying that, like, Europe, 
especially like on like entrepreneurs as well they view it so differently like over here in europe it's so much less common like it's we kind of traditional the get, get a job you know work work until yeah. you know work for court big corporate company whereas in america it's more about freedom it's more about you know working for yourself that that's preached in america and not not over here for sure and i feel like the other thing is especially in europe i don't have experience with b2b businesses in the us i haven't done anything for anyone but in europe i would say people don't really understand like it's harder to sell based on roi like when you say yeah it's going to be i don't know for example when we do for a client right now outreach and people are like okay how much is the service we say you know 20 grand it's immediate shutdown whereas in like okay but the roi might be 10 times like implementing this solution that costs 20 grand might might make the company 200,000 next year but it's very hard to communicate that with what I'm, I've heard and uh, I've just seen in the U.S. People and businesses really understand this a little better. It's more about, you know, it's not about spending money or giving money. It's about investing. Uh, yeah. Whereas in, I feel like in Europe, especially with, uh, you know, as a freelancer too, it's it's way harder to find clients because just people don't see the value. All they see is, you know, oh, they're going to take away X amount of money from me without yeah as deeply understanding. I don't know if that's the same experience you've had. Well, no, yeah, most of my clients have been from the US. Exactly. And when I was doing, I, I was, I, I did get some clients in the UK and actually they were like that. They were really needy as well. They were the type of clients that would, you know, hit you up every single day. And this is back when I was doing web design. So, and it was right. even worse, man. Like, what, what do you expect me to do? Like, we're just getting the project done. I will let you know. But yeah, yeah, it's, um, that's another good thing to talk about as well. So, I was doing design, web design, and I hated it. I, I just, I just decided, I just, at some point, I was like, this is bad. So, I moved on. Writing, I've enjoyed so much more. But there's two spectrums there. Like, even you're, you're either a designer or you're a writer, you can obviously mix them both. But there's, there's either two that you prefer, I feel like. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, and I remember, yeah. the, I think the first time we ever got on a call was while you were still doing web design or, yeah. uh, you know, building websites. And it was really funny because I had been in kind, kind of that position too with my first agency because we would do anything, everything or anything, honestly, that we could get our hands on. And yeah, uh, yeah I had the same thing hated it especially design i don't feel like i'm a good designer or i don't have a good eye for design so i can totally relate and i mean yeah i, I like writing too so we're very similar in that sense yeah man and the problem with the designing was like i started using webflow and i, I was I wasn't i picked up like in a week but it was the kind of you can't design without writing, I don't think. Like, you'd have to have the design and the writing. Like, the writing, you can't miss out on the writing. It pretty much always has to be there. Like if you're doing web design, you need copywriting. So, like, you're just you're just doing two skills together, you know? For and sure. The design and the copy is more important than the design. Yeah. 
Well, that, I agree. I wanted to, yeah, what are you going to say? I was going to say I agree, but I feel like design is very often uh, not thought about as much. Like you can have design that's very conversion-centered or you can have design that just looks good. And um, yes, that's true. There's two, and they're different as well. Convert, yeah, if you want to increase conversions, a lot of the time it can be designed as well. But mm-hmm. also, I look at people like Jack Butcher, and he does like graphic design, and look what he's built. Like he's built a huge visualized value and stuff like that. Like it's, it's not that you can't, but I feel like if you're wanting to do web design, and your main focus is design, it's just is it is it like if you want to charge high prices, is that a quantifiable result to bring? clients no you need to copy and then you can use the designers you know a center towards the you know get increase your conversions yeah honestly i think the best best way is just for designers or freelancers to just partner up with someone uh yeah. like a writer and for writers to partner up with designers too um yeah, I think that's the best way. And then eventually when you start to scale and you're thinking about making an agency, you, you can just have writer, uh, designer and so on. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. That, and also I wanted to talk about your agency. They say, you know, they, they were offering everything digital marketing agency. It's interesting now because I'm working with clients right now. I don't want to disclose too much, but they had one of the fastest growing agencies in America. And mm-hmm. they offer everything, like ads, copyright, every ad on every platform you can think of, copywriting, web design, conversion rate, optimization, influencer marketing, SEO, every, every like, if you have every service, they do it. And they're one of the oh, biggest, yeah. For sure, but how how big is their team? Their team is, it's, it's, it's big, but here's, yeah. what I, here's what I wanted to touch on before. When people say niche down, it's niching down when you start. Like for example, you wanna you wanna do digital marketing agency, that's cool. Niche down on Facebook ads, that's just an example. Niche down on Facebook ads, get results through Facebook ads, and then as you grow and as you gain results and social proof, you can expand out. But there's no there's no limit there. Like if you're doing copywriting, you wanna niche down with a a niche, you obviously a niche, but then or a sub market, and then you can go out to that entire market. I feel like, but you have to have the proof. Like these guys, obviously, are one of the biggest agencies in America, so they can do that. But they can offer anything. People will go to them because they do that. But for if you're starting out, like as a digital marketing agency, it's going to be very hard to say we offer everything. So niche down, service markets, and then maybe even products. For sure. And especially if you only have one or two people, like it's so many things you have to learn, especially if you don't have any experience in that before. It can take you a year to learn everything needed to the level where you can charge high prices, as opposed to if you only charge, you know, or if you only offer, let's say Facebook ads, you only need to learn copywriting and the technical aspect of Facebook ads. Yeah. You can out you can outsource visuals or videos or whatever you need. Yeah. So I think that's like looking back, I can just tell 
that our main mistake was not even niching down, but just offering everything to two of us. We didn't have the skills and we started to learn those skills uh, as we went on. But it was just so much. It was just so much and we couldn't do it. And I mean, the results just showed as well. Or and lack of results. Did everything. Did you literally do everything like ads, writing, design? L- literally, we did write, we did design, we did. We even like, I got some programming background, but not in JavaScript or HTML or anything. We would even like start looking at YouTube videos how to do HTML just to make uh, like web dev. We would do every ad, like Google ad, Facebook ad, LinkedIn ad. Uh, we would do SEO optimization, you know, uh, what else? We'd do emails, like cold outreach, uh, email marketing, like everything you can think of. And you can already see how many things that that requires. And we didn't, like, that's the thing. We didn't even split up what we're going to learn like if we had done like okay you you learn the ads like you do facebook google and linkedin ads i'll do web design and i don't know email marketing it would have been easier but we just went straight in and it was it was crazy but it was it was a great learning experience i would say and i'm i'm really grateful that we did do that because it was it was a lot of fun like it was it was fun learning all that and getting fully immersed and uh yeah i'm way smarter now moving forward Man, that, that's that's the genuine business you do the most dumb stuff to start with and i didn't i, I just picked web design because it's the first thing i saw but i didn't i didn't know like much into copywriting and stuff probably didn't even know what copywriting was when i started web design so i just picked it and then realized it wasn't for me and then you know you find other stuff that works just keep going that's that's the girl i i feel like that's the thing shiny object syndrome is obviously bad like hopping from one model to the other but i also think you need to find the point where you have to pivot for example um if you get if you would have gotten stuck on web dev and being like oh no i have shiny object syndrome I i shouldn't start writing or ghost writing or whatever then you you would possibly still be doing web dev, hating yourself, yeah. not making as much money because you would hate yeah. it and you wouldn't like you would subconsciously block yourself, and it just wouldn't yeah. be enjoyable. So, I think there's definitely a way you can use shiny object syndrome to your advantage to find the find the thing that. Uh, I mean, I still have shiny object syndrome every now and then. And it usually comes when I get on a sales call because I kind of like doing sales calls or closing people. And whenever I close someone, I'm like, damn, that's so cool. Now, if I didn't have to think about fulfillment, it would be so cool. So I'm like, my mind always goes to like, oh, maybe I should try closing or whatever. But I I guess that's just natural. You know what I mean? But it is. ever since I started like, making money and charging a little higher prices and feeling like I get paid what I deserve for the writing that I do, it gets better. Then you have another problem that's imposter syndrome that I still struggle with and 
I know there's a lot of people out there that struggle with, but. Okay, I wanted to say something about that. So it's true, like, if I hadn't gone to ghostwriting, like, I would have, like, not be making money or nearly as much. And that's actually important, but that's about self awareness, right? Like, you got to realize when something sucks, like, <laughs> but there's a difference, mm-hmm. right? If I, I could be doing ghostwriting right now and I see TikTok, I'm like, okay, I'm going to drop all my clients and stuff and go to TikTok. That'd be dumb, right? Because this is working. I'm enjoying yes. it. Like, why would I? So for sure, if you're hating sure. a business, don't do it. Like, just don't listen to the what the gurus tell you. Like, you got to hustle. You got to get over it. Like, no, if it sucks, don't do it because you're not. If you're not, if you're not going to do it in a few, if you if you wouldn't do it in a few years, don't do it now. That's what I say. Ben, that's pretty good. You should tweak that. Pretty good. Yeah. How would I how would I say that if you wouldn't do it in a few years? Yeah. No, I might. You know, I might. Yeah. Also. Next year is going to be crazy. It will be crazy. And um, like I said, like we talked on Telegram one day, is like once you're really in, aligned and you're doing what you like and everything's going well and you, you wake up in the morning and you're excited to start working and learning more, there's a weird mind shift, mindset shift that happens. It's not so much about oh am i gonna make it is this gonna work it's your mind suddenly goes oh it's gonna work regardless it's just not a matter of if it's gonna be when and i think this was a huge realization for myself and i that was the point where i realized my life is becoming aligned with with my purpose or with my meaning and it felt so cool I texted you a pretty long message about what I thought about it. And I got the reply that I got was 100% the same feeling. Just general optimism and alignment and finding meaning, which is amazing that we've been able yeah. to form and see this kind of growth. From an outside perspective, it makes no sense. But it's it's weird, man. Like it's it's like I'm not even bothered right now about hitting fifty k, hundred k a month because I'm enjoying just what I'm doing. I, I don't right. That's what guys. I, I literally don't care. Like I okay, yes, I do. I think everyone cares in the back of their mind, but I'm just enjoying the work. Like I'm enjoying right. doing something, like pushing. It's everything as well. It's not just that. It's like going to the gym. Like the bro, the progress in last three months has been insane, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying just like going and putting in the work. And I think that hard right. work, he said, like he said, hard work is the goal. Like you, yeah. I know. Okay, I hit our business just so you. I don't want to like go on and say, oh, the, the, we achieved this, but it hit 10k. But we didn't really feel anything. Like we didn't. We just said, cool, we've done it. Like we've we've got there. We finally got to that mark that everyone talks about, but like we didn't feel anything. But like hard work is the goal. Like just putting in the work. Like when you look back, I feel like, and obviously I'm saying this from someone who does not have much experience in life, so I can't really, like, I can't sound like a philosopher, but <laughs> it. <laughs> I feel like you, when you look back, you don't feel any different from when you hit a certain milestone. You just you you feel different by seeing 
progress but from your hard work like if you hit 100k a month it's not me it's not hitting me 100k a month that you're satisfied about it's not the work that you did and they're like leveling up you did to get there dude and i just want to add on to this you said you're young and you might not have that much experience here's what i would say you got to be grateful that you have the ability to work hard right now yeah 10 years down the road 20 years down the road you won't have you won't be able to work that hard and i think this is something that's always in the back of my mind when i get swamped or when i when i feel spread thin obviously going months like that is not great but whenever you feel like you're getting overwhelmed just be grateful that you have the ability the youth the 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 strength to just work hard right now because it's never it's not going to be like that always yeah yeah man i i look back and like okay i overwhelmed with client work i'm grateful that i'm overwhelmed with client work like from looking back where i was like seven months <laughs> ago like i knew nothing yeah. i'm grateful that i have clients who are paying me money like a good a good amount of money as well to have these problems to solve, I'm grateful for that. Like, what? Well, that's that's yeah. that's that's insane. Like, that's just if like, you if you told me that, and this is like a platitude on Twitter. Like, you're you're a year ago you were begging to be where you are now, but it's so true. It is true, and I want to. Here's another interesting topic. Would you have gone through that self development, that personal growth, if you haven't, if you hadn't started that business? Like think about this, if especially if you're a freelancer or a one person or a two person business, your output is directly related to what kind of a person you are. Yeah. And the only way to scale your business or get better, charge higher tickets and so on, is directly correlated how much you can spend time on yourself. It's like, you know, quality in quality out whereas in the quality in is the work that you put into yourself and the quality out is your your business results yeah and i yeah i I can definitely see from myself like the last four or three months i've made huge huge improvements in my copywriting ability but not only that the way I've gone through a massive personal growth and self-development is absolutely crazy. And I can have deep conversations with people that I would have cringed at in, I don't know, eight months ago, 10 months ago, 12 months ago. Okay, I'm going to set a reminder right fucking now in my computer, right fucking now. And the date's yeah. going to be the 15th of December, 2022. And we're going to do the same thing again. Like the same conversation yeah. we're having. Just so we, oh, just so we can record. Oh, you know, yeah. Bro, I'm doing the exact the same thing. thing right now. Yes. I'm doing the exact same thing. That'll be, that'll be, yeah, that'll be so funny. Next year, like coming to the US, I feel like meeting people, that is going to be crazy. It's, it's and we're gonna meet up definitely wherever you are. I'm gonna fly there, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm in the US at that point. Yeah, man. The message is 
find just test test different ideas like look at businesses see what like you um rather look up pursue your curiosity do it just just try it like take just dedicate a month no dedicate three months where you expect no results just have the like don't expect yourself to like be landing like a free cake line just do it anyway. Just see it, what happens, and just try it. Every, yeah. I go I, like at least an hour every single day, and then what else do we put? Say from this. Oh yeah, go say, to the market first. Like, don't create your your offer yet. Go to the market towards them first. Bigger that big lesson. Yeah, I think there. Uh, David Mendes just tweeted out that really hit. It was like. He said something about the lines of, oh, I need to worry about my landing page, my my logo, my, you know, Twitter header. And then he just wrote like, dude, you got zero clients. Just go hop on some yeah. calls first. And bro, you don't, you the don't logo, need. The... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, the, the logo, I was going to say the logo, the LLC, the everything like that, like landing page does not matter. In some cases it does. Okay. Here's the one case where the landing page matters. Me and Dakota had already built an audience on Twitter. So we've got a landing page and we've got like five, we've got like 10 inbound leads from Twitter so far in like a month. So in that case, if you already have an audience, build a landing page. If you don't, you have nothing. If you don't have an audience, if you don't have um, anything, like not, you have no clients, don't build a landing page until you get results. Yep. But, and yeah, uh, back to you, what you <laughs> I guess the other thing, like you said, is just don't be afraid to fail. Like you're gonna fail, especially. Oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've been really thinking about. Do you know how some people just pick up a new new business like this, start making money, like they're already successful, and some people it takes mm-hmm. eight months to start getting off the ground. I'm the type who took eight months or 10 months to get off the ground oh eight months let's say eight months i was thinking why is that like i see someone like you starting a whole new business and it's like oh yeah we broke 10k okay why is that and i really think some people are just either fundamentally or kind of programmed into not understanding how the how entrepreneurship works because I'm that way. I've I've always been very like, you know, straight A student in school, you know, get everything done, find a good job and everything like that. And I still I still feel kinda uncomfortable on especially the money part. Like when I'm like someone's someone asks, uh, you know, can you look over my copy and I and I send them a loom video and they're like, Okay, how much do I pay? It's almost impossible for me to say like oh i do this for a hundred dollars i'm always like ah just here you go that's just an example but super often even even when i feel i kind of feel bad sort of doing the payment part and i think it just for some people it takes a long time to get rid of that programming or those uh ideas and i'm still i'm still trying to get rid of them so if you don't see any results for eight months, there's probably something else wrong with your offer or anything like that. But also just know that for some people, it takes more time to get rid of that, uh, you know, your history, your programming 
how your teachers, how your parents and everything has has uh, affected you. Everyone's not as talented as Kieran, so <laughs> I no, think that's what but, I'm trying to say. No, but for real though, like it still took like ages. It still took a while because it was only when I realized that all this like planning and stuff, which you are programmed to think you need to have like this whole like massive project plan together to put it and then execute on it. So only when I realized that that's just a total lie. And then also joined David Mendes's community where he was just like forcefully like, dude, just do it. Like literally just go out and talk to people. I was like, yeah, th- th- this is exactly what I need to do. And it was only when I did that, that I realized that like, that's that's how it works like entrepreneurship is it, it's it's looked at as like some glamorous thing where you have this big master plan it's not you're just trying to figure it out every day every single day you're just figuring it out you're just putting in some work and just trying to figure out like what you're trying to trying to trying to do like, there's no master plan there at all yeah like 100%. bezos all the ones that people look up to bezos and elon they all just kind of figured it out along the way but like, they didn't you can't predict the next 10 years. You can't predict tomorrow. You just got to do what's today. Like, okay, I need to talk to the market. I need to just, at, at, the, at the end of the day, a lot of people think of it about themselves as well. Because we are naturally selfish. Like, there's just no, there's no lie there. Like, we are naturally thinking of ourselves. So, you've got to put it from a, from a customer standpoint with everything you do. Creating your products. You might, you might be so attached to project. That's the thing. People get attached to that idea even though the idea sucks and doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the reason why nine out of 10 businesses fail, I think it's a few reasons. It's, it's like maybe one or two, but first one we've mentioned is they don't talk to the market. Like they just, they, they create this project that they think people want. They don't. And another one is they try to become the next Amazon or Microsoft or Apple, like try and become like the new invention bro, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like, you just got to just, t- this is what this is what I think for business. Copy something. Like, copy someone else's business model that's working. Put it, implement it into your own business. Change it around. Like, obviously, tweak it a bit for your own kind of personal preferences. But literally just copy what's working. There's a reason why it's working. So just copy it. Exactly. That's what a way to finish. Yeah, well, what a wrap, man. Bro, 50, mark my words, 15th December 2022, we'll do this again. Uh, I I already set a reminder up that's going to give me a heads up a week before, so. All right, yeah, I will do the same. If if we have a nasty, okay, here's the thing. If we have a nasty falling out, we're going to fight and never, we're going to block each other on Twitter and stuff, and I get that notification. I'm we still. I'm gonna it. find yeah. your email or yeah. your address, yeah. and I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit you up. No, yeah, we <laughs> have to. There's like, there's not even a discussion. And I'm, I'm planning. If if my plan goes, if I, it goes according to plan, I'll be in Asia. By uh, because I'm going. Yeah, I'm planning okay. like November. <laughs> yeah, I'm planning uh November, December, October, November to head to Thailand. So Thailand, Vietnam, and. Bali and I don't know how long I'll be there so probably like a year maybe so a year I'll, I'll be I don't have a stat I'm, honestly man this is what I'm doing I'm booking a one-way ticket and I'm just gonna like if I like it then I'll stay if I love it I'll mm-hmm. stay if I hate it then I'll leave like next month but 
No, I'm just going to go and, and see if I like it. Here's the thing, dude. Like, life's a video game. And you can do whatever you want. Like, that's the other thing that I really struggle with is kind of like getting rid of my own mental blocks. For example, mm-hmm. eight, the way how I went to Arizona was just one of my friends said that they're going to Arizona for Thanksgiving. And I was like, cool, that's pretty nice. I want to go too because Stan is there and Arizona's nice. So I literally just took my phone and bought a ticket. And yeah. that's literally how easy it is to have a fun life. Like that's yeah, that's all it takes. Whereas in eight months ago, I never would have done that. I would have been like, okay, it's a, it's gonna be pretty difficult to fly. Like it's gonna be annoying. Like I gotta get an Uber. It's gonna cost some money. Like I know what if I can't find. I know what if I don't have fun or anything, and um, yeah, that's just how it is. You just take a one one way ticket to Asia and. Bro, I'm gonna have fun. Exactly, exactly. Like, there's no like people ask as well. Like, are you going by yourself? Yes. Like, I don't. If someone wants to tag along, they can. But I'm just going either way. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't. If people, if someone wants to come, they can come. If they don't, then they don't. But like, I'm just gonna go. No stat. There's no time stamp there. Like, you just go, and then you just because I might go there, and love it, and but then have to leave in a month. I might not yeah. want to leave in a month. So for sure, yeah. But I, I, I hope I am there next. I'm in like know, a little hotel, and we're doing this podcast again. And hopefully, this podcast is like going well as well. I hope, um, you know, I, 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 I always refer back to this. Jack Butcher said, "If you post 21 podcast episodes, you're on the top one percent of podcasts." And I'm on like episode 27. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, no, it is. That's pretty okay. good. Go get on Danny Miranda's level. But anyway, guys, <laughs> this has been. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. It's been a casual conversation, and yeah, Rob, as always, brother Rob, thank you for coming on, and thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. Peace, guys. Later.